Hello and welcome to Aftem. Today's guest is Akash Jones. Akash Jones is a director and stop motion animator currently looking to make his mark in the industry. He likes to tell stories that he is passionate about that are authentic to himself and assist others doing so through animation. His directorial debut, Counterfeit, premiered at TIFF Next Wave, and he is currently in production for his new documentary that will be airing at this year's Region Park Film Festival. On the animation side, he has worked on TV shows like The Boys for Amazon Prime and Ultra City Smiths for AMC. What was your very first project like? Um, did you work on a team? Was it solo? Was it for fun? And this is in terms of the stop motion. Right. You mean like project project or does YouTube video count? It, man, it's, it's your cup of tea. I guess my first animation was like 2013. I was oh. really young. I made it with my cousin. Him and I used to like co-produce all of my videos back then. So... In terms of like actual animation project, that was my first one way back in 2013, yeah. Did you think anything of it? Were you doing it for fun? Yeah. Or were you just like... It was all for fun. I didn't even post that one. I have like a couple of videos I made at the start that never made it online and just like stayed on our iPads. So. You gonna post that anytime never. soon? Never. Why not? Because <laughs> they're horrible. They're so bad. They're did, so bad. Did you have like voiceovers and stuff on Yeah, it? I used to do all... I used to do all the sound effects and everything with my mouth too. Because at 13, I didn't know how to download sound effects. So it's yeah. just all my my voice. Yo, man, I, you got to show me some of that. I will, like punches like, and stuff. I, I would like to see that. It's <laughs> so, so ridiculous. <laughs> when did you start taking it seriously? I think around 2014. So literally a year later. Yeah. I posted... One, we made one, and then he was like, just put it online. So I put it online, and then it did pretty well. And then a lot of people gave me really good feedback. They told me how to, you know, stop using my voice for sounds. And I, <laughs> so I thought, okay, I could learn from these people, and they seem to like the videos. So once I posted that first video, and it did pretty well, then I started to take it a little more serious. I feel like things really do get serious after a year. Mm -hmm. Just just a year of doing something, yeah. you know. Um, same with me and zbrush i'm not i'm not even a year in with and like, you're, you're my already digital great stuff. yeah i i mean i've been a sculptor right for like quite a while right mm -hmm. so it's like yeah i'm trying to get your journey here right um because you put your stuff on youtube mm -hmm. right when did it start getting traction uh, right i the lego movie came out i think in 2015 yeah and once the lego movie came out it was like it was insane i saw i think my first, I got my first million views after the Lego movie came out because mm -hmm. everyone was just running online to watch stuff like the movie they had just seen. Yeah. So 2015 is when I just started to get a lot of viewers. And all my friends who made the same types of videos, they also saw just an influx in so many viewers because of that movie. Did you have other people come work with you on it? Or I, it was just you and your cousin? My cousin, he stopped. I stopped working with my cousin after I took it serious. I don't know. Some people just don't want to be YouTubers. And I think his parents didn't want his name on stuff on the internet, you know? So once I started posting, he was out of the picture. Oh, okay. And then I started working with my other friend from uh, from school who wrote some of the stuff. And But other than that, it was just me. So it was me, him writing and then me doing everything else. 
So what, what was the what was the set like? What was an entire day of set at that age, uh, pre-production and production? Well, usually, I'd well, I'd be in school all day, and <laughs> I would not pay attention in class. I'd just be writing a script. Like mm. my friend and I, he went to high school with me, so we'd have a Google Doc open in class, and we'd just be writing our ideas. And then once I got home at like two, I think my school ended at two. I'd set everything up. He'd come over after school. We'd prep it all. We'd kind of roughly write the shots. We never shot listed. but And then he would leave my house. And after school the whole evening, I would just dedicate to, to shooting videos. I, I never did my homework. It was oh, so damn. bad. Do you feel like it's taken you far right now? Right now into your career, at least. Yeah, I think so. I think it's good that I have that background. Because I didn't go yeah. to school for animation. But I animated for years and just learned from people online who were doing it better than me. So I think it helps in that experience category where I kind of had self-taught experience for all those years. Mm. Do you feel like having a YouTube channel has better helped you kind of get gigs that are in stop animation? Do you feel like without that, you'd have your portfolio and it would be like, oh, okay, here and there. I could get something, right. but then, like with your YouTube channel, it kind of solidifies your experience and what you're capable of doing, and the mm-hmm. fact that you have an audience yourself. I mean, people who are in film, I think they'll tell you it. It does not matter to most people if you have a YouTube channel or if you get a ton of views. Like that doesn't really define how skilled you are or anything like that because YouTube is very viewer based. People can people can just watch something. So I don't think anyone's been impressed or given me a job because of it Mm. but i think the work that is on the channel like once i send them a video for reference or i add something to my reel then it's just the quality of work that helps them but when i'm teaching workshops and stuff those are the main times when they'll advertise to the kids like oh this is guy has a youtube channel so in situations like that when i'm teaching kids or like teenagers that helps a lot to see that i have that platform because yeah some of them may have seen my stuff and they'll think it's cool. More people will want to come. But in a professional setting, I don't think it's ever given me an edge over someone else. I'd yeah. say it's always just your skill. I like that. You can basically be at zero and like be a hermit and you can have the skill exactly. right? and people can still go for you. Yeah, like it, someone it, with 10 subscribers could be just as good mm-hmm. at animating or better than me. Yeah. Right? And they'll get the job if they are. So what about working on like set on on production that's not necessarily yours? What is a problem you have or sometimes still come across while filming um, in that type of scenario where it's not your production mm-hmm. and you're working with multiple people? Because right. from what I have, what, what I'm getting is that um, you started working um, with your cousin mm-hmm. and then you like went about it and it's a very tight-knitted thing that you do right so working with multiple people can be very different what problems do you encounter working with many people i think the main thing is just some creative differences because coming from youtube a lot of youtubers you're used to doing everything yourself like every the camera stuff obviously at a smaller scale because it's just a youtube video so i think the main problem for me is especially when I'm animating someone else's work, it's like if I bump the camera or if I think lighting needs to be adjusted, I'm not allowed to touch that, right? Like I have to call somebody else because it's not my job. Like I could do it, but I shouldn't because it's not my job and they 
do that job way better than I could. So I think that's the main thing that's been tough, just staying in your lane and only being an animator since I come from the background of just directing, lighting, and doing all that stuff with my own videos. And even if there's something that I see that I think should be adjusted, like that's not my call to make. So yeah. I think that's the main thing, just adjusting to a bigger team setting, yeah. Do you find that harder to work with or more do you find that it takes a lot more time working in that type of scenario than your own yeah i'd say so just because so many people have to sign off on things yeah like if i'm shooting a video for myself i can just set it up and start shooting but something else you know you have to get the director's approval you have to get last looks from every single department so yeah. it goes through a lot more people so timeline wise i'd say it takes a lot longer when you're doing those bigger projects. Nine to five. Yeah. Every day. I remember. Literally. I remember. Nine to six sometimes. Nine to six, yeah. Insane, yeah. yeah. Uh, you have any mementos from the recent work that you did? Mementos? Yeah, like... Uh, I have no clue what what's, the, what's another word for memento? A souvenir. There we oh, go. I don't think anyone from my work will watch this, but I always like to take something from every set that I work <laughs> on. So yeah. I have like a bunch of stuff. I've got puppet eyes, hands, like a beer bottle. It, I have a lot of stuff yeah. that I just put in my pocket. It's stuff they don't need. Yeah. I just like to have a physical... Since I do animation, everything's always physical. So I like to have one thing from every job that I do. How was it like when you shifted or rather included working with Clay? Because um, mm -hmm. you, you worked with Lego, right? Yeah. Most of the time. What was it like when you started working with Clay? It's tough because Lego is so restrictive. And they have... I don't know if you've seen... Like the Lego dudes have four points of articulation that's it whereas a human body has like 20 plus so i think the main thing was just becoming i had to do a lot of research and go through like a training course as an animator just to figure out how to animate human bodies now because lego characters you can get away with a lot more you can be really cartoonish mm. so the main hiccup was just learning i was studying human anatomy and stuff right and physics of just how we move because when you're animating a Lego character, you can do whatever you want and no one will really care. But if I'm animating a person and you're watching that person, we as people, we know how we move. So if something looks wrong, it looks really wrong. Yeah, so, I feel you with that. Yeah. Like even even with me and my sculptures. Yeah, you, know? you probably... Like, yeah, like I have to study uh, the anatomy of right. things. Especially when you're looking at like um, creating surrealistic pieces mm -hmm. of um, the human figure right you i find with my work what i did was i had to study the anatomy so i could break it down right. kind of like what um uh, this is good old picasso right what he did of like most people think okay this guy just like drew, drew crazy. Um, some crazy stuff yeah, yeah. right but then he was actually a master right um at realism or way before it's only after that he started breaking the rules, right? right? And I feel like that's like in order to break the rules, you need to understand know them very well. The, yeah, you you need to know them very exactly. well, right? And just the notion that you're saying, yeah, like you got to get that anatomy on point, mm -hmm. right? You don't want some broken leg, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, person, yeah. Um, say for instance, I'm interested in stop motion, mm -hmm. but I don't know where to start right what's an estimated budget for creating stop motion uh what gear do i need how much room do i need and 
how much is how much like lego is enough lego right i think there's a lot of different ways to start you could there's three there's a type of animation called paper cutout where people just cut out things they've drawn and lay them flat and animate that you can do that for like next to free basically if you just cut out stuff that you've drawn and then you know you cut the arms cut the legs so you have points of articulation and then that's a good way to practice like the principles of animation just to get all the fundamental skills down and for shooting when i started shooting i just had an ipad and my lamps and that's it yeah Yeah, they have a bunch of free stop motion apps that you can use that do the same thing as the expensive ones so you can get that you can practice on like a phone or a tablet if you just mount up a um like a tripod the only thing i'd say is you have to have a room that has no windows a lot of people when they start stop motion they like nobody tells them that you have to have a room that's has no outside lighting just because it'll flicker since you're taking photos every frame oh i see so you need all artificial light sources you can't have any natural lighting so say i want to get into some lego Mm -hmm. stuff let's go over the first scene that you built right i want to build that first scene how like how do i go about it and can you describe the first scene for us i just bought a set put it in my room on my desk i didn't even make a background the background is just my wall because i had blue walls so it kind of looked like the sky so i just put it on my desk i lit it with a couple desk lamps then i set up my ipad and that's it I just took what was in the set and created a little story. With Lego, it's really easy because they do all the work for you, right? They give you all the materials, mm-hmm. and then you just have to think of something to create. Whereas if you're doing claymation, you know, you'd have to buy clay, design a character, make yeah. the character. What type so, of clay would work best for claymation? Uh, there's a good brand called Sculpey. You can get it at, like, Michael's. Yo, Sculpey works Sculpey so well. Sculpey is really good. And, like, just the things that you can do with it. Like, yeah. Uh, have you tried monster clay before? No, I don't know if monster clay would be good for animation. No, no, though. it wouldn't. I know for a fact it wouldn't be because, yeah. um, what's this? But yeah, it wouldn't be because you'd have to, you can't paint it. It's oil based clay, mm. oh, right? True, true. So it never cures. That's the fun thing about it though. Oh, right. Um, you can pop it in the oven. You can pop it in the microwave for five minutes and it's a liquid form oh right right um and then that's neat yeah and then you let it dry out and it solidifies right right that's that's what i use to get my regulars Mm. but yeah i feel like you would you would jam with it i know bronte jams yeah she's quite a while what is an important factor one should keep in mind when interested in your position oh You've got to be a patient person. I'm a very impatient person. So the career I'm in doesn't really suit my personality, but stop motion takes so long. And it's it's really painstaking. You have to have a lot of patience. I think a lot of people don't realize how long it actually takes. Like when I was at work last year, we were getting four to eight seconds a day of 30-minute episodes that had to be completed. So it takes really, really long. And the higher the quality the longer it's gonna take so i think Mm. that's just something to consider it's not kind of a it's not a hobby you can kind of just pick up on the side because you're gonna have to be dedicating lots of time to it so do you build the sets yourself as well at work yeah no so the art people do all that stuff yeah you're just completely animating yeah i walk in and they just bring me to a stage that's ready and then i animate and i leave that's it (laughs) so so let's just talk math here for a sec right 
I want to create a one minute clip. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the average frame rate? Average is 12. The higher standard is 24, but I say 12 is the standard. Yeah. Okay. So say we're making average frame rate of uh, one minute clip, average frame rate of 12. 12 frames right? per second. Yeah. Your brain has to go to work here. Oh, shit. Right? <laughs> with, with all the movement and everything. Like, or we could even say a 10 second clip to make it easier. Okay. All right. And then we can time. So 10 second six. clip would just be 120 frames. Yeah. 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 Times six. So, yeah. th- but that also depends on what you have happening. That means uh, it's like constant movement throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Let's say our guy is bowing down. Okay. I feel like a, a traditional Japanese bow, for okay. instance. Right. How, how long would like that motion and everything take with the hands, putting the hands on the side mm-hmm. and um, taking the bow and bringing the character back up? It depends on the bow. So if it's just a guy bowing, I'd say that's maybe 30 minutes or probably even faster. But then if they've got a bunch of clothes that need to dangle, if there's hair involved that's got to like hang and sway once he's down, then you start to add more time on. So depending on how many types of secondary action there is to the character, it'll it'll take way longer. Like if it's a lady bowing in a dress, that's going to take you double the time than just a dude bowing. Yeah. You know what I mean? What about when you were working with Ultra City mm-hmm. Smiths? How, what was the longest scene that you got there? And how long did that Ooh, one take? I think there was one scene I was on for three days, maybe. It was a dance number. It was a guy dancing on a dance floor. He was doing the same. You know, like the Russian dance? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was doing that yeah. for, I think, a really long time. But... It was just so long of the same thing. And I was on that for three days. Yeah. That's not even that long, though. There was a huge dance number that was a minute that my coworker was on for a month. A whole month on the same scene. Yeah. It was nuts. One minute equals a month. Yeah. It was insane. It was like four dudes dancing. So it was a lot. Okay. That sounds like a lot of patience, Mm. man. Yeah. (laughs) How do you do it since you don't have any patience? I actually don't know. I. I actually have no clue. That's why everyone says to me. That's why my mom says too. She knows I'm like the most impatient person. So I think it's just the end result. You know what's coming. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes it worth it. And when you're getting pay- like paid to, you know, do your job, you can't not do it. So yeah, that's true. It's just remembering what it's going to look like at the end. That's very important. In Ultra City Smiths, there was uh, about 24 animators, including mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. Right. What method or action did you see someone use when animating that you thought, oh, damn, like, I could probably take this method and I could use it for myself? A lot of people did reference videos, which is nothing I practiced before I was on that show. And that's basically if it was it was the director's idea, I think. But a lot of the animators started using it. So it's say you're doing a scene where someone has to run across the room and sit down the director or somebody will record themselves doing that and then send it to the animator and you can load it in right into the software and watch that video frame by frame as you're animating, which makes it a lot easier, especially if the director wants something very specific. So that's nothing I thought of before to just do something, like record myself doing something, then watching it, then animating it. So yeah that helped me a lot it really makes the anatomy of everything 
a lot easier. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It kind of feels like okay, just work from. Well, it's not necessarily don't learn anatomy, but then you get to work from reference, exactly, which is, which is yeah. great, right? But then it's also the notion that you're taking a two-dimensional um, video um, mm. and you're creating it in three dimensions. That's right? true. That yeah. I, f I find that is quite hard because, like, for me, when I started with my art and everything, I was in 2D, oh. right? And then I moved to 3D. And yeah, man, like the, the fact that you have to take depth into consideration right, right. when you're sculpting, when you're sculpting and everything like that. That's right. True. Like, I, I don't know if the reference videos came in 360 degrees, no. but you see like most of the time it's like, okay, you have to kind of, you have to still know your anatomy because right. what's happening at the back of the person, if you're taking images of the front, you know? Um, what is something that you find you brought to the table when when you worked on that show? I was like, I was a junior animator there, so everyone was basically better than me. But I think I take pride in the fact that I can animate very fast because I'm a YouTuber. You're used to that quick pace video a week, you know, video every other week. So my animation speed is pretty good compared to a lot of people. So what they would do is if they needed something knocked out in a day or faster, they would just put me on it so that I could get it out of the way. So I think that's what I brought to the table. And then me doing that allowed the other animators who had their really tricky shots to just focus on theirs mm -hmm. and, you know, feel good that they didn't need to rush through something because everything else, the easier stuff was getting done by someone like me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that girl who was on her shot for a month, she didn't have to worry. Like she could just focus on doing that shot very well because the rest of us are here to tackle things that are easier and quicker with the notion of like everybody has each other's backs mm -hmm. right um do you feel like if one person screws up then it's like a game over or do you feel like um if one person screws over okay we could still like manage our time and everything and we could work it out if two people screw over okay maybe we could still manage our time but mm -hmm. we can still work it out you know i'd say so yeah with the thing about animation is um it's not like live action where you can do a bunch of takes mm -hmm. the shot you shoot has to be the shot you use so in that sense everything is very timed to the t they have a frame rate they need to hit every day a second rate that they have to hit and that's calculated to the release of the show so I think messing up isn't taken very lightly because then you throw everything off schedule. Mm. So it's kind of, that's why a lot of prep goes into the shots. And sometimes you'll do a rough pass before you do the official shot. Just because with animation, there's no take two, there's no B-roll or anything. Yeah. So everything you film has to be what's used. So I'd say there were, I think I had to redo a shot once or twice. But whenever you do mess up, they don't tell you directly because they don't want to get in the animator's head. Mm -hmm. and like shake you up but you can tell there's a bit of panic in the studio every time somebody messes up a shot or has to start over because everything shifts and you can just feel the tension yeah yo i can imagine it's 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 crazy they it's nice though because they don't they don't take it out on you yeah but you can just tell people are running around like okay now this shot has to move to tomorrow but we needed this tomorrow so it does throw things off a little bit yeah uh, you were talking about the pressure uh, you have with YouTube, where yeah. it's like you constantly have to 
um, post something, mm-hmm. right? You have to ke- you have to keep that consistency going. Yeah. Do you create content for your following base, mm-hmm. or um, do you create something that you personally like? Right, that's a good question. I'd say that early on, those two things aligned really well, which is I think one of the reasons my channel did well because everything that I wanted to make was also just what my followers wanted to see because I would do you know Marvel videos and Star Wars videos and that's what I like so I'd say back then it was very in line with each other nowadays since I'm doing more work outside of YouTube I post a lot less so I since I'm not making so many videos I try to make sure that every video I do make once in a while primarily focus on what i think they want to see you know because i'm doing all this other stuff outside of it so when i do come back to make a video i'll think okay what i haven't been uploading for a while what do i think my followers want to watch and then i'll make a video based on that but again it still is usually just what i like anyways yeah does it go does it go off of like the superhero stuff that's going on right now it does so like my last video was spider-man no way home uh, yeah, I and saw that. Everybody like, wants to that see that, dope, right? Though. So, yeah. How long does that one, like, would that one take? That yeah. one was a quick one. I shot that in two days. It was really short, just 30 seconds. That one was quick because I had a week free, so I wanted to make a video. But, yeah, no, now I try to put, I try to please them a little more just because I'm not uploading as consi- consistently. Yeah. Do you get any messages like, hey, where's our video? All the time. All the time. All the time, yeah. I I feel like, though, that's like with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Um, A wise man once said. Mm -hmm. It's it's tough because obviously the thing that's different about having a Lego or animation YouTube channel is there's a disconnect between the viewer and the creator. Like, you know, you watch people like Mr. Beast or people who have their face attached to their YouTube channel, you're watching for the creator themselves. But whereas animation channels, there's a little bit of disconnect because the audience is there for your work, not necessarily you. Mm. You know, they're not concerned about what Akash is doing or this and that because they're only seeing my work. Like, they never see my face. Do you ever let them see your face? Uh, If some of them can, I have a couple of videos on my secondary channel yeah. where they see what I look like. But again, it's not enough for them to feel that attachment with me. So it's a lot of just, where's the video? Oh, you're in school. You're busy. We don't care. Post this video, you know, cause they're not involved in my life directly. I'm not, I'm not vlogging. So the, you know what I mean? They don't really yeah. have that same connection they do with other YouTubers. Yo, what was your first experience of that? What, what was going through your mind when you, first got that hey where's where's this next video man we're waiting for it i think i respond to a lot of my comments which is a really bad thing it's like you know i said i don't have patience so i'm not cut out to be a animator it's like the same thing with youtube i have such a bad temper that i don't think i'm cut out (laughs) to be a youtuber either so i'd respond to everyone if someone told me that I was like being slow or not posting videos, I would just respond and say, yo, leave me alone. Like it's really, <laughs> it was really bad. So I would always talk back to those people. But in hindsight, I should have just probably not responded and waited. But it annoyed me at the beginning. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, you know, I'm in school. I'm not a full-time YouTuber. Mm. And it just seemed like no one understood. But then again, you can't really expect them to understand because you're not sharing your life with them. Yeah. So that was a big adjustment for me. Yeah. To, take on that responsibility of oh these people are now quote-unquote relying on me for content so 
Um, I'm going to give you a bad scenario here. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, man, screw this guy. He's not posting, right? I, I, I need something. I want to watch something. You know what? Let me probably create something myself, mm-hmm. right? So uh, the scenario is I'm, I'm an inspiring Akash, right? right. Um, and, and I want to get into um, all of this. What, what skills do I need um, to become or to get into your position as an animator? Right. Uh, you, I think you got to be a little creative just because stop motion, you're creating everything yourself. So you, you have to be prepared to, you know, like I said, do a lot of the steps to make the story figure out how to light these little things that you're animating with. So I'd say just kind of being a bit well-versed in all the aspects of production, obviously not a professional, but just knowing enough about each stage so that your video is well-rounded. Like I see some people when they make stop motions, even when I started early, you don't think about lighting as much. You don't think about sound as much. So just trying to understand each part of the production so that your videos are, Unless you're going to hire someone. Like a lot of YouTubers hire editors and stuff. Oh, yeah. But obviously, when you're just starting out, you're doing everything on your own. So, Do you feel like you have to know how to act as well? I'd, I'd say so, sense. kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Okay. But if you watch movies, you know. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you watch people act, you'll know. Because you'll know what a character should be doing at mm-hmm. a certain time. Because you are kind of like the director when you're animating. Well, actually, that's not true. You're kind of like the actor when you're animating. Okay, yeah. Because you know, you're putting life into this inanimate object. So you've got to know how he's going to, like if this character is getting kicked, you got to know how he's going to react to getting kicked. Mm. So, but again, I don't think you need to know much about acting. You just you observe humans in your everyday life and see how they react to things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just a go outside. Yeah. It's just to remember. <laughs> like, or just think about yourself. A lot of the time if I'm animating, I just think about what I would do. Like if I got kicked, what would I do? And then I make the character do that. So kind of like a shower thought, you know, Mm -hmm. you go into the shower after a bad day and you're like imagining all these scenarios and then, yo, okay. okay." And then they're just playing out. Yeah. And then as you said as well, anatomy. Yes, that too. Right. So, um, would you say in addition, you said lighting as well? Yeah. Just knowing how to make uh, lighting's not the most important at the beginning. If you're just trying to practice getting good at stop motion. Yeah. But once you start making actual videos with plots and stuff, you'd probably want to dedicate some time, just watch a couple of YouTube videos and learn how to properly light your sets. So yeah. That, you know, all of your, all the aspects of your production are increasing almost at the same rate. Like you don't want to be getting way better at animation, but then your lighting's the same as when you started. So do you have any example of any sources I could use to could get knowledge? Um, Oh, like tutorials and yeah, stuff? Yeah, tutorials, knowledge of um, anatomy, uh, you, right. right? Things like that. I Just YouTube, just honestly, YouTube. yeah. There's videos for everything. Yeah. There's a lot of good uh, animation principle videos that teach you a lot of just about characters and how they move, physics with clothing. So mm. I, you could not find everything on YouTube, to be honest. So. That's true. I feel like a big thing that you need is just to take that leap man mm-hmm. you know um the, mo- the moment i was talking to jack chen about this right and it's just a matter of hey you gotta just step up and do and it and learn yeah right um the first is never even you said the first wasn't as great mm-hmm. right but then hey look at you now 
yeah type of thing not even just the first like my first 10 videos are all horrible but you know you have to, you're not going to be great once you start you've got to learn i watched other people's stuff a lot mm. and people who were better than me i'd watched lots of instead of focusing on what i was doing wrong because sometimes if you're doing something wrong how are you supposed to know that you're doing it wrong because you know you're doing it wrong yeah so i would watch people's videos who i looked up to and you'd see something that they're doing either right or better than you and then that helps you to learn from them you know what i mean yeah a reference type of thing yeah it's like i would watch other people's things and then see where i was lacking in certain areas yeah almost like watching a tutorial but even it's like when you make movies and you watch movies you're always seeing what you can improve on so is there anything you've recently improved on oh that is a good question i'd say i think i'm i'm better at you know how i told you i'm really fast yeah sometimes i'm too fast so i think as i'm becoming more confident as an animator i'm learning to go slower because taking more time it always looks better produces quality yeah so i'm learning i'm getting better at just slowing down and think not thinking that my biggest asset is that i'm fast and now realizing that i can make good work i can take my time and still have you know the same product so yeah i'm learning to slow down and just perfect my animation more than just being fast yeah yeah, yeah i mean man it's nice to be fast but then it is quality you know exactly. quality is always nice yeah. you can release something every year mm-hmm. you know but then hey man if you skip a year and then release it on the second year i don't know it has that quality assurance yeah. type of thing it's just like games in the sense yeah that's you true know? games take forever yeah but then like i'm gonna bash ea for instance right because <laughs> i used to play fifa quite a lot mm. right but like man if they take a year off you know and make it better type of thing right but if you're producing it every year you have in terms of games you're right. producing this game every year there is very little you can do to in, change that's it, true right whereas with quality control you can take two years and add a lot more things to it yeah. you know and make it if make it seem new yeah that's true you know? i guess that's why a lot of people like the NHL game, games and 2K, the, you, a lot of people are just playing the old ones because there's nothing yeah. improving that much that makes you want to buy the new one. Yeah. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. No, I feel that with quite a lot of things, man. Yeah, even It's like iPhones too. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say that because I have an iPhone. But, <laughs> and I hate to admit it. But yeah, even iPhones, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, um, like for a person to feel like they have a new iphone mm-hmm. they have to skip a couple of years exactly you know? but then i mean there is also a market for the people that want it every year that's true but i feel like that isn't a casual consumer market that's like the tech people who see the improvements each year uh, that's why phone plans are always when your plans up in two years then you can buy the new phone because they know they only it you'd have to buy like go from the 11 to 13 at least to see a significant improvement yeah. I feel like, you know yeah for me that's with my pc as mm-hmm. well right it's like man apple's great but then they release every the same thing uh, on the daily right mm-hmm. that i had to switch right, right? hey man i got i switched up it feels nice when you switch up anyway we <laughs> we diverge <laughs> so you were saying that you like watch other people's videos and mm-hmm. do you have any 
inspiration um, in that sense. And plus two points, I guess, if they're in the city. This city? Yeah, this city. I'm going to get like six points here then. So there's this <laughs> one animator. His name's Kevin Perry. Mm-hmm. He's from Toronto, and he works on all the big movies. He does a lot of great work, and I watch his stuff all the time. He does tutorials too, so I study them. He's probably one of my biggest inspirations because I was following his work before I decided to 100% pursue this career oh. professionally. So that was cool. What's, and he's, yeah. he's What's also the like, niche. Well, also, like, what type of He just does stop character. motion animation, like purely puppet based. And then he does some Lego stuff too. Like commi- Lego commissions him to do some of their commercials and stuff. He's stu- he's, his work is insane. I'll show you some after, but he's crazy good. And then just my other two friends, they live in the city. They have YouTube channels like me. They do Lego stop motions. And the three of us, we're all, like, technically we're all very good animators, but we're all so good in different ways Mm. that it's, I'm always learning from the two of them as well. Mm. So they also just make the same kinds of videos that I do, but they're both really, really good for different reasons. So I watch their stuff and learn a lot. And then we'll meet up and talk about it. Like, I went to go... I went to go look at my friend's setup the other day. It was like last year. And just seeing how his workflow is different, it's insane to think that we're making the exact same content, but the whole workflow is so different from uh, each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. How does it differ from yours? From like for my backgrounds, I use mostly physical stuff. Like I'll build something out of paper, uh, Bristol board and, st- and he'll use, he uses his projection on the wall. The way we organize our setups, just yeah. the actual cameras we use. I use a very big camera. And his camera's like the size of a tennis ball. It's tiny. It's really small. So he gets a lot of good movements. Just seeing how different people light things. It's just interesting. Because when you watch all our content, you'd think we all make it the same way. But it's so different. Have you guys worked together? I've worked with one of them a lot. I think we're going to collaborate on something this month too. Just because we're all so close to each other. But yeah, no, we've worked together quite a bit. Any other inspiring figures that have kind of helped you in your journey right um in toronto and then not not animators not animators yeah damn i think my friend sedina inspires me a lot as well just because he's a really great example of not compromising anything you make for people outside looking in like Mm -hmm. everything he writes everything he puts out everything he dedicates himself to is always super authentic to himself and it's it's refreshing to see that sometimes you know, he'll just write something. The last movie that we made together, I think the people who found it the funniest was just me and him. You know what I mean? He made something that was just so true to like his own experiences and vision. So it's nice to see someone who does that. Because I'm a, as a YouTuber, you're always thinking about who's going to watch your video yeah. and how to tweak it so that it does well and so that the followers are satisfied. And it's just so different seeing his creative process that's just solely what he wants to make. You know what mm. I mean? It's It makes you want to be a lot more just laser focused and like tunnel visioned on your own creation. Do you but f- it's hard though. Do you feel like you can achieve it? I mean, you'd probably have to start ground base, but... I feel like that's never going to go away. As, uh, unless I stop making YouTube videos. Yeah. I think there's always just going to be that thought of someone's going to watch this. Because if you're putting videos on on YouTube, you can never say that you're doing it for yourself purely. Because it's just not true. You're putting it on a platform where everyone's going to watch it. Yeah. So I'd say it's never going to go away for me, I think. If anything, it'll be in my other work, like stuff that I direct or 
other projects, but with animation stuff, I always know there's going to be eyes on it. So it's super hard not to think of the feedback that's going to come with it. Yeah. You said other things that you direct. Is this a way from stop motion? Yeah. 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 Because I remember you released something. Yeah. We released Counterfeit. Yeah. Counterfeit. I'd say that was an example of just, we made that movie for no one else but ourselves. Because it was something, it was like a personal experience that we turned into a film. Yeah. And we just wanted to make something super authentic and document a certain part of just life and kind of the black sneaker culture. So stuff like that, it's especially when I am working with him, then it's easier to just be like, okay, nothing else, no outside opinions really matter. Mm -hmm. We're just going to make the movie we wanted to make and that's it. What's next for you in this sense? It seems like you got stop motion. You've got physical productions Mm -hmm. um as well and you have your youtube you have work on the side which is um with other productions right right what's what's the next year like for you oh that's a good question i think animation side probably just taking gigs and making stuff for other people i'm doing something next month it's like a alice in wonderland short film that they want an animated portion for So with my animated work, it's usually I'm working for someone else. That's why I like to direct some of my own things, because that's the only time I'm creating my own vision, kind of. So yeah, with my animated stuff, there's that film coming up. And then hopefully another TV show with Stupid Buddy. They're the ones who produced Ultra City. I thought you were like Stupid Buddy. (laughs) (laughs) That's their company name, Stupid Buddy Studios. It's so weird. It's hilarious. And then I'm making a film about my dad. Mm. Uh, about him growing up in Regent Park for Regent Park Film Festival. So, Are you probably starring you? No, starring him actually. Oh, yeah. So it's gonna be like a hybrid animated live action thing for. It's they commissioned it for their. They're doing like an anniversary program where they're getting some Regent Park creators to make films. So that's what I pitched, and they liked it. So yeah, no, it's starring my dad. It's gonna be about how he came here when he was like really young all alone and grew up in Regent Park. How are you going to get him to look young? Oh no. So it'll be, that's why I'm going to animate some of it. Oh, okay. so it'll be like the stuff that I can't really change will be animated. And then I'll have him, I'll interview him. And that's probably just going to, that's probably going to be my big director self thing this year. You know, I think it's always good. Once a year, I try to just make something that's not me doing some work for someone else. Yeah. You know? For aspiring people, how do you suggest they get their first work gig? Well, the first thing I'd say is I don't think you even need to really go to university. I know a lot of my friends, they didn't get into like the Ryerson program and they think it's over, which is not true. The Ryerson, it's good if you want to learn more, but everything that my friends have done and like the success a lot of them have found have all come from things outside of school, mm. purely from their connections and just making quality work because I think in a field like film, it doesn't really matter about like, if you can create the same work as someone else, then who, why would they care about where, where it came from? Like if you got your education from school or from watching YouTube videos, right. It's just about the work you can produce. So I'd focus on just getting better at what you want to do and making sure you're at a level that, you feel comfortable sharing it with people. Yeah. So don't apply for things before you can actually feel completely comfortable in your ability to deliver on projects. Cause I've had that happen to me once before where you really want this job and then you take it and you're like, shoot, I don't know if I'm going to give them the quality they want. So just make sure you're confident enough 
to actually be comfortable with the work that you're providing and then just practice. Mm. I've been animating for like seven years now, I think, and I'm still not, you know, as good as a lot of people. So I'd say just practice, practice. And yeah. Don't let it take up all your time, but you should practice a lot in whatever your craft is, I think. Yeah. And what about um, for getting the first gig? Say I... Right. I have practiced, I've put my mm -hmm. hours, I feel confident and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the world to right. take me. World, come take me. Where do, where do I go? Uh, I think there's a couple things. You, you could always take the YouTube route by putting your work out there for people to find. You could also just reach out to companies directly. There's a lot. You can, you know, if you want to do commercials, you can actually contact some of the companies and, you know, show them examples of your work say that you want to do this also there's a lot of good facebook groups that have job postings a lot there's this one what's it called it's like i need a producer fixer crew etc yeah. they have job postings every day yeah i've gotten like three jobs last year from there so there's always people looking for teams and crew and a lot of the time you don't even need experience so i'd say there are a lot of good facebook groups for that and then just working on your friends stuff helps a lot too because yeah. i've met a lot of people through working for my friends like on their sets and stuff which is cool and then again like the people you meet will probably be the people who ref refer you if you make a good impression and you know that's it's, that's true that's true it's everyone's always saying it to me and it's so I, it's so whack i hate saying it to other people but i'm like damn it really is just I, who yeah you know. yeah it's, it's like you know it's frustrating a little bit but, but on, honestly, it's it is who who you know. It you is. Know? And don't get me wrong. I also school though. I know for some people, like it's tricky to say to a lot of people, you don't need school. Mm. And just I know a lot of people can't really learn unless they're in a structured setting. Yeah. Like for me at least, I know it would have been way harder for me to be where I am if I wasn't in school. Cause it's it's tough to manage your life when you're just at home and I you can play video games, you. watch TV. You know what I mean? So yeah. I say school is beneficial in that way too because you can have a structured education and obviously you're paying for it so you have responsibilities so in a way i'd say maybe if you know yourself well enough to think you can manage learning on your own then you can but school helps a lot of people just you know have a sense of purpose yeah and like timeline i, I feel like it really does um a lot of people want to give back mm -hmm. you know and like of course you're going to get a few people that are either busy or don't want to or they're just like eh you know and they'll say no you'll you'll probably get a lot more no's than you will get yeses mm -hmm. but in the end it only hurts you if you don't ask that's true yeah that's true just put yourself out there and yeah reach out because people are always looking for you know new contacts and new people to update their rosters and stuff so it doesn't yeah. hurt